0: Last week, if you were with us, we're gonna dive right into it. We started a new conversation, a new series titled um, Family Values. And essentially, we're just kind of getting into The core values of who we are as a church—you know, the things that we want to be going after, the things that we want to prioritize, the things that we really want to make important in the life and the culture of our Um, church—we believe that these things will help make us more healthy followers of Jesus as well as effective followers of Jesus. How many want to be effective? You know, how many? You know, and how many want to be healthy? Two very important things, and so uh, we feel—meaning me and Bethany—feel as though these values can help us do that as a church, and so. Um, you may uh, notice a sequence. Yes, I think they are in number of importance, meaning last Sunday we talked about the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And, and that for us is number one, um, uh, you know, number one top mm-hmm. like thing that we want to go after and be a people known uh, being marked and going after the presence of God. But we also yes. want to um, highlight, secondly, we want to be a people who are a prayerful people. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you know us, um, it's, it's really weird because this is such a, um, a super fast paced, transient city where, man, we'd have to almost spend Sunday after Sunday to kind of like get into our history a little bit and like right. how we came here, because we're originally from Northern Massachusetts mm-hmm. and um, we kind of came in here. You wanna dive into that Beth, and a little bit about the history of our house of prayer? Sure. Yeah.
1: So last week we covered presence of God, today we're covering prayer. Um, and I mean in actuality you can't separate the two of those things right because if we desire the presence of God we're going to be praying people and if we're praying people then we're going to be experiencing and living in the presence of God Um, if you're new to this community um, just to give you a little brief history we are Hilltop Church um, you know we were planted actually out of a prayer meeting so in 2006 um, Long story short, we were part of a national organization that had been doing solemn assemblies, like, all throughout the nation. Um, and out of those solemn assemblies, there was prayer rooms planted. The first one was in DC, the second one was in Boston, the third in New York, and on and on. Um, and so they had asked me to establish the house of prayer here. I'll give you just like this much history, specifically here, um, because of the universities. And there, I, we don't have time today to get into all the history of why, but it's linked to the student volunteer missions movement. It's linked to, and I'll say this to you, um, it's, uh, New England has a very, very deep, deep revival history as far as the historical awakenings that have taken place. And so, in short, it was taking that posture, because if you look at every revival of old, um, it was born out of the place of prayer. That there was a posture of prayer that birthed revival. If you're here this morning and you're like, I don't see the word revival in the Bible. <laughs> actually, have you ever read the book of Acts? Like the New Testament church sure. was living in revival. Yeah. They yeah. were a revived people, mm. and so ultimately, that was their reality: is that they were praying daily, that they were breaking bread together daily, that they were preaching, that they were preaching the gospel, and it was say thousands were being added to them. I mean, that is a revived state. And so therefore, we in the Church of America are not living in a revived state. So we we look at the New Testament church and say, that is what Christ has Amen. intended. Amen. That is what he has purposed for us. And so in short, if you look at the birthing of the New Testament church in Acts, what you find is it was born out of a prayer meeting but they didn't just have a prayer meeting that birthed this you know revival they actually continued in prayer you actually find there was subsequent Outpourings of the Holy Spirit. Most of us all want to mark kind of that first initial one in Acts 2. Well, there was actually others after that that w- they would say that when they, they would gather together, the place where they were was shaken. Uh, it was a, a subsequent move of the Holy Spirit that was happening because it was a community of people that were consecrated, dedicated to living a life in prayer. That is a completely different reality then we've been sold in the West. So true, yeah. We've been sold in the West that you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior.
0: Which is good which is good very good you should well i mean definitely we say do those
1: words but Lord starting and Savior. place right yeah, yeah. so that means he takes complete possession of your life that means that every area of your life becomes into subjection to his lordship to his authority to his governing Amen. to his will yeah, to his purpose like we don't we don't get that we get do you want to say the sinner's prayer and then go about your business and your sin and he just loves you. Just loves you there. No, we have to understand that ultimately when we're saying the sinner's prayer and coming into salvation, we're surrendering our, surrendering our life. And then the fruit of a life that's laid down should look like a people that are a praying people because we're in love with Jesus, because we're pursuing Jesus, because we're living lives to seek him and to honor him. That is what it looks like to be revived. And that's what we find in the book of Acts. And so ultimately we planted a prayer room, yes. we started a prayer meeting and out of the prayer that's meeting,
0: right.
1: a church was, born, church was born, kind of Amen. accidentally. The way it should
0: happen. I think. <laughs> Wasn't yep. intended yep. at all.
1: I kept apologizing to all the local pastors going, this was not the plan. <laughs> we never planned to do this. But
0: what a good plan it's been. Yeah. And what like the genius of God, right? To, yeah. to first start us off and, and we're even, we're not just starting there. We're continuing in now yeah. years down the road in prayer strongly valuing, you know, prayer as a body and sustaining it as well. Um, and, and, you know, beyond revival, of which I love everything that Bethany said, you know, this is very biblical too, like um, meaning uh, the supreme goal of God, his chief desire is to have for himself a prayerful people. Uh, if you would put 1 Thessalonians 5.16 on the screen, it's a simple verse. I think it speaks directly to the point. Um, it's clear. It you know, it's not like, what, what does that mean? It's, it's very clear. But let's read it into record here this morning. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. Now, this is what I love. I love that beginning part, but the second half of this verse, I love even more. For this, these things listed, are the will of God in Christ Jesus. Doesn't that just speak right to the point biblically? So, we're, you know, um, the Greek word for will is pronounced thelema, which means God's desire, God's intent, God's purpose, Amen. and God's wish. Therefore, what Paul is saying here is that God desires his people to pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, and rejoice always. So, Prayer has and continues to be a very central uh, theme in the Christian faith, right? I mean, it, what I mean by that is it's very important. I just want to highlight just a couple uh, of uh, how prayer has kind of prayer, excuse me, has played out biblically uh, throughout the text. Um, you have Moses praying for favor in Exodus 32:11. Um, there's Hannah who was pouring out her soul in 1 Samuel 1.15. You have Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah crying out for the Lord's victory over an Assyrian army in 2 Chronicles 32.20. And then you have Paul in Ephesians 3.14 bowing his knees in prayer. And of course you have Jesus whom lived a very, um, what's, what's, what's the word? Um, he, he lived a very public life, but he also lived a very private life. Right. And the authors of the New Testament made it a point to point that out for us. Mm-hmm. Meaning that Jesus, you know, was followed by thousands of people, mm-hmm. but he had moments. He worked miracles. He did all these things. He's a right. Hebrew rock star. You know, he's just, the people, the people are just attracted following him by the thousands. But yet, the authors of the New Testament, uh, pinpointed or pointed to us that he also withdrew from these public moments and went to uh, um, you know, more private places to do what? To pray, to pray. Now, as well as the Bible being filled with all the examples of prayer and different patriarchs using this as a way of communication or various things in the text, we also have examples of when God's people gave way or place to prayerlessness. this. Mm. And I just want to highlight light one and then we'll pass the baton off to Bethany. And this is a very, I think, uh, familiar portion or clump of scriptures that our community is aware of and, and, and we use it a lot, but it's in Mark 11. I'm choosing um, Mark for this, uh, 15 through 17, if you want to put it up on the screen, Mark 11, 15 through 17, it says this, and they, they are the disciples in Jesus, that's they. Uh, they came to Jerusalem and entered the temple and began to drive out, those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And they overturned tables of money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. Of all the awkward things you could be selling in the house of God. I, mean, <laughs> I, I was actually thinking about that on the drive in. I'm like, pigeons? Like, I mean, you might as well might be selling rats as far as I'm concerned. Pigeons, pigeons are just disgusting. <laughs> Anyways, um, and he, Jesus, would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, is it not written, my house shall be called, what, a house of prayer. See, we just didn't make up that language. Jesus right. reads it into record. Actually, years before Christ, the prophet Isaiah prophesied right. that right. the house of God, meaning the church, the family of God, will be marked primarily as being a prayerful right. people. Right. So my house shall be called the house of prayer for all nations but you have turned it into a den of robbers. Now, before I pass this on to Bethany, just read two observations here. One, Jesus, I believe, gives the church, it's title. if you would, right. he, he defines the nature and the primary role of what the church should be right. about. Yes. That is prayer, okay? That's the way I see it, that's the way I read it. Uh, my house should be called what? A house of prayer. And then two, it's easy for us, meaning the church, here it's a clear example and we see it all throughout, I think, you know, Western culture in the church where we make it about something that God never wanted, meaning church, right. we make church about something that God never intended nor wanted it to be about. And, and it's so easy to quickly get off the path Uh, But I I feel as though what I want to come out of this for our church is for us to snap back in to the original purpose and intent, the will of God, to get back into seeking the presence through praying to Jesus. Amen.
1: So good. Um, Like Daryl said, ultimately, Jesus set out what the blueprint for what the church is called to be. He gave us our identity. He gave us our function. And so for all of us as believers, when we start to, like, superimpose what the church is supposed to be, or superimpose what we want the church to be or what we think the church should be and all of those demands and expectations. We have to go back to this is what Jesus identified as the church. He said that we're called to be a house of prayer. And so we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 11. Um, This is such a testimony to the life of Jesus. The disciples come to Jesus and they ask Jesus, they say, teach us how to pray. So obviously they were seeing prayer modeled. They were seeing that Jesus was a man of prayer. And let me ask you a question. If you got to spend some time with Jesus, what would be your question? Like most of us would have some very interesting questions, you know, like, how do I become more successful? You know, like we, we kind of have all of these things that we have self-interest and they're saying the, the time that they have with Jesus, they're saying, teach us how to pray. So they saw the value of learning how to pray. And so we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 11 here. And this is, we're not going to spend a lot of time because we're actually going to get into two parables. Um, But this is where Jesus gave them. And I want you to see this because it's so simple. If you're kind of like prayer is hard, prayer is difficult, prayer is boring. I don't know. I'm going to challenge you this week. Just take out Luke chapter 11. Begin to meditate on how Jesus said that we're called to pray. He, I don't want to say that it's a formula, but he makes it so simple. He makes it just so simple. So if you're like there and you're like, I'm distracted, I'm confused, I don't know where to start, I don't know where to begin with, So I start with me, myself, I, the world, God, like, you know, like all of the things, like our minds are racing. Just open up the word of God. Luke chapter 11 says, and Jesus said, when you pray, you say, our Father in heaven. And this is what I wanna say to you. Don't run through the word of God, pause. Take a passage like our father in heaven. Do you even realize that if you pause there for a couple of moments, that the identity of him as a father that you are a child of God, our Father who art in heaven, that you begin to grow in an understanding of that you are a child of God, therefore he pays attention to you, therefore he cares about your needs and your wants, therefore he is attentive to you and he cares deeply that you're not there as a beggar, you're not there as a servant, you're not there in any other identity than a, a son or a daughter of God. And you have his ear, you have his eye, you have... Have his full attention, that will change your prayer life. When you stop thinking that you're sitting in a room all by yourself and that your words are just hitting the ceiling and coming back, but when you begin to understand that there's a relational component that you are in a living relationship with the man Christ Jesus who wants to hear from you and who wants to speak to you. Our Father who art in heaven. Our father who art in heaven, how much time do you take meditating on heaven? Our father who art in heaven, just begin to meditate on heaven. If you have never done that before, turn to Revelations chapter four, that will help you get a really good vision of heaven. Holy is your name. How much time do we spend contemplating The holiness of his name, that he's holy, that he's perfect, that he's just, that he is utter perfection. I mean, you can go through every line and spend an entire day. That could be your meditation for that day. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me ask you a question What is happening in heaven? What's happening? When we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, do you have something in mind when you're praying that, when you're reciting that? You're kind of like, what does that mean? Do you know what's happening in heaven? Revelations chapter four, day and night and night and day, they never cease crying. Holy, holy, holy. If you want to see the will of God come in your life as it is in heaven, if you want to see the will of God in your home, in your family, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your children, start taking that posture of holy, 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 Lord God almighty, who was and is and who is to come. We see in heaven that the elders are casting their crowns before the lamb who is worthy worshiping day and night start casting the idols and the successes and all of the things that you've acquired in this life, laying it before his feet, that there is nothing that is worthy, that there is nothing that is deserving of your worship other than him. Give us this day, our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. What we see is he's giving us a model of repentance. Give us this day, our daily bread, that we need bread from him, that he's our source And forgive us our trespasses. Do you know repentance did not end when you said the sinner's prayer? Do you know that as a believer, you should be living a daily life of search me and know me, oh God. And see if there be any wicked way in me. That should be our prayer as people. Tenderize me. Convict me. Make me aware of the things in my life that grieve you. That sadden you. That keep me at a distance from you and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and living a life of forgiveness, of perpetually forgiving others and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I want us actually to pick up in verse five. This is what i'm going to do instead of reading it verse by verse um, because i didn't actually intend to go all through matthew uh, luke 11 but it's such a good passage how can you not (laughs) um i'm going to actually just kind of give you the summary of verse 5 through 16 okay because it can get a little bit confusing as far as the outworking of this passage what we find here is that he's saying um, that at midnight So yeah, follow the scenario. At midnight, you have somebody coming and asking for bread. You have at midnight, someone that needs bread. And this gentleman does not have bread to give. Uh, First and foremost, this is a parable. Jesus went right from the Our Father saying, this is how you should pray, right into this parable. He goes right into saying, if you wanna learn how to pray, pay attention to this parable. And so what you have, I mean, I hate to like get dramatic and act things out here, but you have one friend who's in a house, right? And someone needs bread. This friend is saying, I don't have bread to give. I don't have bread to give you at midnight. Can I ask you a a question, friends? Midnight is a very inconvenient hour. Midnight is an hour where you want to be sleeping, where you want to be resting, uh, that you want to be in bed, that you want to be warm, that you do not want to be aroused from your sleep. But instead he recognizes that there's need, that someone needs bread and he doesn't have bread to give. So you know what he does? He leaves his house at midnight and he goes to another house where he can find bread and he goes knocking on the door of that house saying, I need bread. I have a friend that's come to me at midnight and I need bread. So I'm here knocking. He's saying, this is the parable of prayer that ultimately you're the one that you have need of bread cause you don't have it. And there's a world that has need of bread and you don't have what they need to be given. So what he's calling you to do is get up at the hour of midnight, which means when you want to be comfortable, when you want to be sleeping, when you don't want to be inconvenienced, he's saying, get up out of your bed, be inconvenienced, rise up and go and knock on the door of heaven and ask for bread. So I'm gonna say this to you friends, we're here talking about prayer and we're hoping that you catch a vision to be a praying people. There's some of you here today that have never embarked on the journey of prayer. You haven't even set out to do that. It's more kind of like, well, that sounds hard, that sounds inconvenient and difficult. There's others of you here that have embarked on that journey and you've given up. I'm gonna say this to you, after more than 20 years in the prayer movement, I started at like 20 years old, praying and fasting, 40 day fasts and houses of prayer and building houses of prayer and starting houses of prayer and going all around the country and sleeping on gymnasium floors to pray for 40 days. And you know, all of the things, I'm gonna say this to you friends, there is going to be continual moments in your life that you have to sign back up. Prayer does not happen naturally. Prayer does not just happen because you're such a holy person and you burn with such desire. Prayer happens because you continually sign back up and say, this is what God has intended. This is what God has purposed. And I refuse to turn aside. So what do we find in this passage of scripture? And if we pick up in verse eight, it says, I say to you, though, he will not rise To give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Verse nine, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given. I say to you, seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For anyone who asks, asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened to you. So do you guys understand if we're gonna talk about prayer, Jesus set out the model for this is how you are to pray and then he goes right into a parable. He's saying, you wanna learn about prayer? Here, learn about the persistent friend. Learn that it was inconvenient. Learn that it was hard and it was difficult. Learn that it went against everything that was comfortable and he had to arise and go and knock on the, uh, on the door of his friend to ask. But he uses the word persistent. To be persistent, that is the posture that he is looking for in prayer. Did you have anything to add to that? No, you're
0: doing a great job. Uh, <laughs> Save the majority of time for you, babe. <laughs> so whenever you feel, okay. you know to pass.
1: <laughs> okay, let's just, we'll do Luke, eight, Luke 18. Because this is also, we, once again, we see Jesus giving um, a parable on the posture of prayer. If you turn to Luke chapter 18, then he spoke a parable to them saying, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Men always ought to pray and not lose heart. What does that say to you? It says to you that you will lose heart, that there'll be times that your heart just gets weary and overcome and times where there's a delay and you're not seeing the answer. I want to, I, I just want to, before I read this, I want to emphasize to all of you guys that when we're reading about the judge in this passage of scripture, because it's saying the unjust judge, it's not at all reflective of the character or the nature of God. This parable is solely about you relating to the posture of the widow. It's a parable and a teaching to say, be like the widow. It's not saying God is like the judge. It's saying you, if you want a good picture of to be a praying people, be like the widow. There was in a certain city, a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me. I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said, verse 7, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Why is Jesus asking, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Does that seem like a misplaced question? They're talking about prayer, and they're talking about the widow, and they're talking about persistence. And then it closes with Jesus saying, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I'm going to tell you, friends, your faith is intricately connected to the posture of prayer. Your faith being sustained, but your faith growing and increasing has everything to do with the posture of prayer. If you're lacking faith here today, faith for your family, faith for your finances, faith for your marriage, faith for your city, faith for our nation, faith for your health. I'm going to tell you this, friends. You cannot lack in faith when you continually Position your life before God's presence, because as you're in God's presence and you're fellowshipping and communing with him, your faith increases. Do you want to know why? Because you begin to see as he sees. You begin to think as he thinks. You begin to perceive and understand the way that he does. And therefore you begin to have his perspective and his mindset and his values. So Jesus asked the question, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So the question to us as Hilltop is when the son of man comes, will he find the posture of faith in us? And that posture of faith is to be stewarded and sustained and it increases from the posture of prayer. I know oftentimes I think in the, in the church, there's such a funny relationship, isn't there, of kind of like thinking that prayer, a faith needs to increase so that I will pray or almost like I need God to God, increase my faith and then I'll pray to you. We have such a funny like uh, dance between what we think is God's responsibility and then what's our responsibility. Do you wanna know what I see in these two passages of scripture that encourages me greatly in my mid 40s when I, there's things I've been praying for, believing for, and there's been a lot of delays. <laughs> By now i was sure New England would be in full blown revival and awakening. I was sure there'd be thousands of missionaries being sent and the globe set ablaze, <laughs> I was sure, when I was in my 20s. <laughs> now I'm in my mid 40s. Yeah. Do you wanna know what I see though? I see in both passages of scripture, he's literally saying, this is the posture I'm asking of you. So there, it's almost like there's the delegation of, this is your role and this is mine. And guess what? He never made me responsible for the outcome He never made me responsible for the results or the fruit or any of those things. None of those things are in my hands. But you know what he did say? He said, remain steadfast in the place of prayer. You know what else he said? He said, persevere in the place of prayer. You know what else he said? He said, be like the widow who cried out day and night. So guess what? My only responsibility is to say, am I crying out day and night? No, I'm not. I've lost heart. I have to return to that. My only responsibility is, am I persevering in the place of prayer, of knocking and asking and seeking? No, I am not. So I need to return to that place. That is what he's called me to do. And guess what? The rest of it is completely up to him, regardless of the outcome, the results, or the answers to prayer. I'm going to say this to you, friends. Cultivating a life in prayer, it's your soul that needs it. Regardless of the landscape of Boston or the nations of the earth, regardless of the landscape of your family, your soul needs to be steadfast and consistent and persevere in the place of prayer in order for you to prosper and sustain and be strengthened or else your faith will fail. It will fail.
0: Well, where do you go from there? (laughs) Um... You know, you can keep your mic on because oh, uh, oh, I I don't want to r- repeat anything here, but um, what has been, I'm going to ask you a question, and you know, oh. I didn't prepare for this, uh, but seeing how you've been in this a long time, I mean, I've been in it a long time, but you've been in it much longer. You've been
1: in it just as long. Well, no, well I kind
0: of just followed you some of that Stop. time. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, for the last 15 Not years true. or so, I, I've, I've jumped in, um, but What are like some of maybe like one or two key kind of um, provokers, I guess, things that when you feel like you've kind of lost your way Mm -hmm. with prayer, you've given up, maybe things didn't kind of pan out the way that you saw it panning out and you have prayed for several years. What are some of the things that get you back up and get you back into that closet or that public uh, space of prayer? Uh, meaning like over at the house of prayer, what are some of the things that have inspired you over the years or provoked you when you needed it the most?
1: So, you know, prayer is interesting, right? Because if we're praying unto a specific end, like a, a tangible result, um, which that those aren't necessarily bad things. Cause God has given us, we not just like prophecy, but like in his word, he's spoken about subsequent outpourings of the Holy spirit. So that's his will. That is his desire, that is his purpose. So we're praying in accordance with his will. So there's nothing wrong with that. It's not even mis- misplaced. But I know for me, if all of my expectation comes upon or is centered upon a expected result, mm-hmm. specifically timing, timing is kind of like a big one, right? Cause like you can have a promise from God for something. And some of us, you know, I have clear, very clear promises for my life, for this region, things like that. But the timing of things can be very different. And I'm gonna say this to you, friends, God is more interested in your heart, meaning in the process of delays, your heart is refined. And so it's John 15, right? It says that if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you can ask whatever it is that you desire and it will be done for you. But do you see his emphasis is he wants you to abide in him. He, he's not saying like, Bethany, pray thundering prayers so I can pour out my spirit on New England. Yes, that's, that's a, that's a goal. It is the desire of his heart to pour out his spirit. But before that and beyond that, he's saying, Bethany, abide in me. And so I think oftentimes that with prayer is we're kind of misaligned. Like for some of, for some of you, you have very tangible things. You might be praying for a spouse, praying for a house, Uh, you know, praying for a new car, you know, like those things. And that when those tangible results aren't seen, we get really offended with God. Kind of like I was supposed to, and you should have. Almost like God owes us something. And the beautiful thing about prayer is that our hearts are revealed, right? Our hearts are exposed because then we're kind of like, well, I'm mad at you because I thought you owed me or I'm mad at you because all, the, the process, when we sign our life up, so for me personally, aside from House of Prayer, Hilltop Church, forget all those things, if they all go away tomorrow, my heart has been set upon, I want the closest relationship with God that's humanly possible. So forget ministry, forget all the outward things that happen or do or don't happen, I wanna walk with God, I wanna please God, I, I want a relationship with God, I want to know his heart. And so even if I get discouraged with timing or ministry or things like that, at the end of the day, I'm just Bethany Temple presenting myself before the Lord on the daily, that spot. I'm gonna say this to you friends, find a spot, like your spot where you meet with God, I, and I get it. I'm not saying you have to be religious about it. When I was in my teenage years, cause our house was so full of like activity and people and noise and it w- I was a walker. Like that's just where I met with God. I'd go on a walk. Like that didn't sound super spiritual, I'm sure, but like I knew when I was walking, like there was a lot of focus, intentionality, I wasn't distracted, I wasn't wandering. Like the only thing I was doing is having that conversation with the Lord. At different seasons of my life, it's looked very different. I'm gonna say this to all you, you friends, especially once you have kids, it looks different. <laughs> It'll look different. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that it's, it's happening, meaning that there is a place where you know, this is where I'm gonna position myself and posture myself and I'm going to meet with God And so I want to encourage us as Hilltop Church, make it the determination of your life that you want to meet with God. Not that you're going to do your five-minute devotional and I read my psalm for the day. No, meet with God. Like actually encounter God to the place where he moves your heart, where he convicts your soul, that he challenges your mind, that you see differently, that you perceive differently, that you feel differently. Um, So I think for me, it's, I just keep I signing it. up. I love it. Over love and over. It's very
0: helpful. And then lastly, and again we didn't go over this, yeah. but you know, given the last 20 minutes of your talk, I think it's imperative that we just put some practicals out there. Right. Um, how do you move beyond kind of like that 2 to 5 minute time of prayer into more of a you know, maybe hour long or half hour, like push the boundaries. I mean, we're all about that five minute touch point, right? Mm-hmm. That get up in the morning, kind of like, Lord, here I am. Do you see your servant, Daryl? <laughs> like, um, you know, and, and, and sometimes that's all we have time for. But, but how do we find that inspiration? Like I'm all, I'm all about the two to five minute time, but I know that Jesus wants to push us a little bit more. I mean, you brought up John 15, about abiding, I mean that's continually fellowship. That's what right. Jesus means there, in that in that word—that's the Hebrew meaning for it. Um, so, like, how how do we push the limits? You know, just a couple of practical ways of how you've done that—you've moved from that five to two-minute time of prayer right. into more of a half an hour, two hours, really prioritizing, maybe um, carving out uh, 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 some time in your day.
1: Mm-hmm. Um I can't emphasize enough the importance of praying the word of God meaning taking a passage of scripture I mean you can even start with Luke chapter 11 our father who art in heaven Um, but you can go, I mean, there are so many of the apostolic prayers that Paul prayed for the church. Um, I mean, it's a template. And then if you begin to pray through those things, your heart is going to be provoked and inspired in faith for this is God's will and intention. And then therefore the areas in your life that that's not where you're living or that's not your reality. And you're going, Oh, okay. I need a vision for that. But, you know, praying the word of God is number one. Um, not only a tool, but it's necessity, but you know, I, whether you know it or not right now, you're in a charismatic church <laughs> and so, <Prize>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: and so I'm going to say this, pray in the spirit when I don't feel like praying, when I don't know what to pray, when I'm like, Oh boy, I have a million things to do and I don't got time for this. <laughs> I, sorry, if that offended you. um, the spirit. Like when I'm confused, when I'm overwhelmed, I mean, that is what he has given us. As a tool, and so pray in your heavenly language when you don't know what to pray, and then all of a sudden you find out that your heart is inspired, that there it's there's life, it's rivers of living water that are flowing out of you. So it's the Word of God praying God's Word and taking passages of Scripture and just praying and meditating and uh, praying those things, but then also pray in the Spirit. Use your heavenly language. I, I it's it's beyond me how many believers can pray in tongues that. Don't pray in tongues. Right? Like you can do that, but you go days on end without that place of fellowshipping with the Holy That's Spirit.
0: Awesome. So good. So good. Keep going. I mean, <laughs> so good. Great point. And it, we're not by any stretch of the imagination saying that every believer has the gift of tongues. But man, if you do, you should you be use that gift. <laughs> and, and if you don't, maybe your angle is, uh, like really obsessing, meaning getting into the word of God, just as Bethany demonstrated for us earlier. It was beautiful what she did, you know, out of the Lord's prayer. And, and just thinking deeply about those points, you know, not just like quickly passing them by. Um, I want to be sensitive to the parents with kids. Uh, so we're going to bring this to an end. Uh, but this has been a great conversation. Uh, and w- what is the point? well, we're we're just wanting to kind of present the core values of our church and hope that you'll latch on them somewhere in maybe besides your soul, your heart, you'll be provoked. To want to give more hours to prayer, maybe that's in your own closet, or maybe that's coming out to join us at the house of prayer. Whatever the case is, we just want to be, be a people primarily marked by both the presence of God and that we are a prayerful people. Amen. That's that's it in a nutshell. And we'll continue in the next couple of weeks to kind of um, you know unpack a couple more values because we're not done. Um, but we hope that this conversation has been helpful and um inspiring uh and and provokes yeah. you to want to you know i i think it's so abnormal for christians not to live out that first thessalonians five sixteen 16 right. play without ceasing i mean we've been given the edge right we've been given like bethany was talking about just this the specialness of our relationship with god and how that translates, how does that relationship actually function and work well one way in which it works one way in which we feel the closest or that relationship is through the vehicle of prayer Mm. talking to god i mean the scripture verse that she brought up where jesus said you receive not because you ask not are you kidding me why would we waste this precious gift we should be asking for everything you know even if our intentions aren't entirely pure (laughs) i say just let god work it out and um we just continue to ask right and don't lose faith Let's pray. Amen. Father, uh, we thank you for this time. And uh, Lord, more than just the message, Lord, we, we really want to value these things, Lord. We want to be sincere in our pursuit of them. Uh, we, As a church and as individuals, Lord, we want to be pursuing and going hard together after yes. the presence of God and, and praying, Lord, both in the uh, um, private space and the public space, God. We want to be active, Lord, in these areas. Uh, and so God, inspire us today, uh, provoke us, Lord, to to kind of lock right into the will of God, mm. as Paul put it, mm. to, to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, yes, and give thanks in all circumstances. God, this is our desire. Amen. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Hey, listen, Amen. we're going to close out this service a little differently. and if you have-